0: Geeks, and welcome to another amazing episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, cycles, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from film, television, books, comics, and even my imagination. Welcome to a very cult classic episode. This is a film that some people may or may not be familiar with, and I very thoroughly suggest if you are not familiar with it to give yourself the gift of uh, finding this on, uh, from what I understand, you can find it on uh, some sort of tube site where you uh, can can get free videos that get submitted.
2: Completely free, posted by, I'm pretty sure, the actual studio that
0: made it. Very possibly. And just like, go ahead, watch it, whatever. Or if, if not, somebody that posted it in the studio is like, meh, because this is from <laughs> 96, <laughs> yeah. I want to say, when this came 98. Out. 98, okay. Yeah. So it's been long enough. And it's one of those movies that they're like, we're not making a lot of money on this anyway. It's fine. (laughs) So we are talking about Six String Samurai, a post-apocalyptic rockabilly romp from 1998 that you may or may not have uh, enjoyed in uh, the past. And we're going to look at the film and decide how best to reboot, remake, or reimagine this bad boy. And here with me to help me on that journey through the deserts, of uh, <laughs> of terrible remakes. We've got yep. my dungeon master, my friend, Jack is here.
2: How you doing? Yeah. This is great because this movie was set in the desert uh, uh, outside of Las Vegas, so it is near and dear to my heart.
0: Correct, as someone <laughs> having li- grown up out there, correct? Yep. Yep.
2: The, the, the cult of Vegas, uh, the cult of Elvis is alive and well.
0: Very much so. And what is funny is that since this movie's uh, release, There is Mm -hmm. actually a rockabilly festival called uh, Viva Las Vegas that happens every year in Las Vegas that is very much just this movie with maybe less apocalypse involved.
2: I mean, if that doesn't do it for you, you just go down the road to uh, um, Wasteland.
0: Wasteland Weekend, yeah. Wasteland Weekend.
2: So get your rockabilly in and then go Wasteland Weekend. You don't
0: even have to change clothes. Exactly. I mean, you just have the same outfit as your six-string samurai cosplay, and you're good to Mm go. Yeah. Yeah. So for those unfamiliar with Six String Samurai um, and don't don't feel like actually checking out before finishing the remainder of this uh, this episode, it is basically Buddy is the main character and is very much kind of a Buddy Holly. Yeah. I don't know if they're suggesting it is, in fact, Buddy Holly or if it's. It,
1: yeah,
2: or um, if it, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the uh, weirdness of it, because he does encounter Richie Valens. In his (laughs) journey, and he fights him, and it's implied that they don't know each other directly, and that there's this age gap between them when there wasn't between the real Richie Valens and Buddy Holly. Sure. So, like, it's it's questionable on whether or not he is Buddy Holly, but honestly, the plot of this movie sounds like a mashup from a different episode. Sure. It's like, rockabilly, samurai, post-apocalyptic, lone wolf and cub.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) the best way to actually describe this. And it is set sometime in the 1960s from what we can understand in an alternate history where nuclear war occurs and there's like apocalyptic event that makes a wasteland occur. One of the last bastions of civilization is Las Vegas, which has been run uh, by Elvis Presley as the king, the actual like actual king, not just musical king king. of uh, Las Vegas and has his minions uh, worshiping at his feet. And at the advent of his death in the 1960s, there is a call to all uh, six stringers, all all rock and rollers to uh, come to Vegas to claim the throne that has been left by Elvis. And Buddy yep. is one of many that is making their pilgrimage to the Mecca that is Vegas uh, for, for the rock and roll kingship. And along the way, runs across a rival gangs of marauders and other rock and rollers that are a hurdle in his path towards uh, his kinghood and also finds himself with The Kid is the name of the of the character, which is just <laughs> a child that he rescues from marauders that kill his mother and uh, leaves him alone and the kid just follows Buddy until he begrudgingly just allows him to tag along. Yep. And that's the basis of the entire movie. I mean, that's pretty much the plot of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. It's pretty uh, pretty straightforward, bare bones kind of plot, which you know, kind of fits for what you need it to be. A samurai movie doesn't need much in the uh, in the way of like long, complicated like plot. It just needs more. So it needs. Uh, I think of it more in the Kurosawa sense that it needs a setting, it needs good cinematography, and it needs good physical acting. And past that. You know, just run wild with it.
0: Yep. And I agree that that there is a power to the statements that Buddy makes during the movie because of how little his character actually talks during the film. And right. there's amazing one-liners, but there's also just like, there's weight to his statements Yeah, when, when he talks because he's not one to uh, mince words, really. He says what he means and he keeps it to a minimum yeah. and that's it. And not only does he come off as a badass for doing that, but also, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's more gravity to it. And I love the idiocy of some of these characters that he fights. There's oh, the yeah. like, barbarian marauders that that are there. There's the pinheads that are just like. <laughs> it's
2: just a bowling team. Could
0: you imagine it's the post-apocalypse <laughs> and you're just like, you know what? We do need like a high women gang to like mm-hmm. rob travelers, but make sure let's wear our panel shirts. Let's yep. turn bowling pins into knife bowling pins. Right. We got to stay thematic. There, there's just a bunch of like the really pushy kid in drama class that now is just in charge of a gang. That's like, no, we've got to yeah. be, we've got to have matching outfits. We've got to have matching and thematic weaponry to go with. I mean, our outfits. it's ultimately it's a musical without musical numbers. Oh, la la land. Yeah. Uh, pretty um, much. Well,
2: I was, I, I was also thinking uh West side story, yeah. you know, sharks and the, uh, and the jets. jets. The, yeah. So it's like, it, it's important that, you know, we be thematic with our gang because, you know, you never know when we have to bust out a song, none of us know how to sing or dance.
0: That's not the point. <laughs> yeah. And also <laughs> this is something that has ruined me for the apocalypse with movies. You know, it, they talk about movies ruining people for their morality or, mm-hmm. or, you know, doing drugs or just being evil or worshiping Satan, all that. Nah, yeah. I'm good on no, all no. Of those counts. It's, that I have an expectation when the apocalypse happens that I'm going to get to have some fashion choices uh, right. involved in my in my roving gang a post-apocalyptic gang and I'm going to be busy like gluing spikes to like uh football pads and getting ready and there's going to be people just wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt that are going to slice my head off or more more realistically just fill me with bullets and yeah. I'm going to show up with like the black eyeliner and the pads with the spikes and the hockey stick with a knife attached to the end and just ready to go. And they're just going to be like bang and two days of work out the window.
2: But you know what? For years, those, those uh, marauders are going to be telling people the story of, you know, there's this guy with the hockey stick. Right. And I just (laughs) don't know what he was thinking.
0: (laughs) We can't do it in the pre-apocalypse in the world, but maybe in the post-apocalypse, we can all just agree that, sure, I mean, world's falling apart, rival gangs, killing each other, all that stuff. But let's, like, take two seconds to make it a little more fun and work aesthetic on our costumes. Aesthetic or die, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's important. And that's what this movie's really pushing is aesthetic or die uh, yep. with this one.
2: <laughs> I, I think it's a more of a product of genre than it is of the era in which it was made. Because by, you know, like 1998, you weren't seeing uh, a lot of this weird sort of mashup uh, concept wise but like you can see the through line of where they got their influences from like rock and rule or streets of fire you know this sort of like you know rock and roll is the only thing that's going to survive the end of the world sure. um and it's important that we preserve that in some way but like also in this sort of like western uh reappropriation of the uh of the cowboy but like reinterpreted back again from the uh, samurai movie sure. genre, which was, yeah, like it's this weird circular like feed, feeding frenzy about like genres and shit. Well,
0: the, the way I've always looked at the samurai and the western genres is almost like when you're cooking and you're tempering eggs, where you slowly add a hot liquid to the eggs so that it doesn't curdle into actual eggs. It just stays like the, the liquid form. You're yeah. just, It's like adding a fish to a fish tank, where you're slowly incorporating it into another temperature so it doesn't die. Yep that's mm-hmm. been back and forth between Westerns and samurai films for the, the advent of both genres. I want to say exactly but they've just yeah, been, they've been feeding, feeding on each, each other, other. Where and they're inspire one. And the thing that was inspired inspires another thing in the genre that it exactly. was inspired from and back and forth.
2: Uh, and I think it's even more evident with the fact that he decided uh, they decided to do, it's like, Hey, we want to do like the Russian army is going to show up at one point, And it's going to be very clearly not the Russian army that everyone thinks it should be. It's like, the apocalypse happened in the 1950s, so it's an alternate history instead of, like, some distant future where everything sure. went wrong. Because the Cold War has been de- uh, been over for, like, a decade at that
0: point in the ge- in the real world. And also, I was looking at this, and so much, even though I ended up going a different direction with that army, I was like, how can I not cast Gogol Bordello as the Russian like <laughs> army? Because <laughs> they have, yeah, like, 32 members like- anyway, so my might as well just...
2: I mean, it, it, it took me a bit because like, you know, which, which rockabilly band needs to be in this
0: movie. <laughs> well, and that's actually where I was looking at as far as, do I want this to be a rockabilly love letter like the original was, or did mm-hmm. I want it to be, it's gotta be musical for sure.
2: There's, oh yeah. There's no way. No, to, there's no way to do this without, without music being a major influence. Absolutely.
0: But did I want it to be one specific genre? Did I want it to be multiples? Did I want it to be specifically rockabilly as a nod to the original? And yeah. I think there is a nice kind of in-between that I landed into that works for my uh, version, my real version of this. So yeah. for, for those unfamiliar how we do this, we have we both have two versions of this uh, film that we're going to approach. One is our best guess as to how to do this as far as casting and plot for a remake, reimagining. And the other one is the remix where we just go outside the box and say fuck it and just throw spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks as yep. far as ideas. And they're usually pretty ridiculous and sometimes so ridiculous that it it might just work. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite I mean,
2: that was kind of how this movie got made, right?
0: This is that, <laughs> that's what's hard about a remix version of this is because the plot <laughs> itself is so batshit insane that exactly. how do you make it weirder? It's just
2: like there I I wanna see the pitch meeting where somebody tried to sell this movie. Yeah. I really do.
0: And that was a thought that I had when trying to figure out the, the outside the box remix version. And I'll get into yeah. that when we get to that part of right, the right. Uh, episode, but for your real take on this, uh, let's set it up. Are we doing a 1960s uh, period piece? Are we doing modern day? Are we doing a rockabilly? What are we doing? Here? So,
2: so with my, uh, uh, with my serious take, I'm, I'm looking more at this being a sequel. Okay. Um, so it takes place after the first movie uh of course you're gonna be fuzzy about exactly when um and so in uh it's it's still gonna have like the 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 musical influence into it but it's gonna be more like the the music that evolves after that period of rock and roll of like body holly and richie valens and it's gonna be uh more doo-wop and pop music coming into their form during the uh, late sixties, early seventies. So that's kind of the area I'm playing with when it comes to like musical theme for, for the, for the sequel. And to give you an idea of how weird I'm going to make this, uh, as far as like a director goes, uh, I wanted to use RZA.
0: Oh, nice. From, okay. Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, sure. who's, who's anyone who's not familiar with this? Why are you on this podcast? Um, he is uh, one of the founding members of the Wu Tang clan. He's also the director of The Man with the Iron Fists. He has been in charge of like soundtracks for multiple films. And he's got, I think he's got a very deep appreciation for film, you know, considering where he gets most of his inspiration from. Uh, and he's done samurai movie soundtracks uh, with, uh, you know, like um, Afro Samurai, uh, Ghost Dog. Uh, so I figured, you know, Six String Samurai would be right up his alley to do another.
0: I think that, up that's a great idea. And I, I think it's important to have somebody that is very musically inclined to be the director um, yeah. because of, of how musically focused it is. I mean, you need somebody that has their foot in kind of both worlds a little bit. Yeah. In order to pull this off.
2: I mean, you can't do a worse job than the original director.
0: No shit, right? Yeah. Th- this isn't a classic because of just how properly choreographed and beautiful yeah. the film is.
2: I mean, from the same uh, artistic vision that brought you the crow, wicked prayer, comes six string samurai. <laughs>
0: Yay. That's uh yeah. that's something to leave off your resume. There seems to be a gap in in your uh in your timeline here as far as your jobs it's vacation. Don't look it up. I was stressed out. Um put the IMDb happened. down. Do not look up that era of my career. <laughs> was that the Edward Furlong one? Yeah. Oh no. That oh yeah. wow. I don't know if yeah. I ever finished that one. That was <laughs>
2: garbage. I don't think I don't think Edward Furlong finished that one. <laughs> right.
0: He finished the lines in his trailer and said, okay, fuck this, I'm out. So for, for mine, I definitely wanted to approach it with the same idea as somebody that's very musical as a director. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I wanted to have the conversation about the six string aspect of it being the real important part. It's not just a performer, somebody that can, you know, sing or, or uh, perform on stage, but somebody that is really a talented guitarist, you know, that that is the main focus of the, uh, of the push uh, for right. who's who the the Kinghood of Vegas is going to be, and I put it in a it is a period piece sort of, but the post apocalyptic era of 2016.
1: Okay. A- and it's after okay.
0: it's after the passing of not Elvis because I felt that that's that's been done to death a little bit the Elvis storyline right. stuff, but a more modern uh, legend of music the uh, death of Prince, uh, being the the beginnings of uh... oh
2: um so we hit similar okay. similar points yeah. okay all right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll get to it. We'll okay. On, we'll,
0: we'll, okay. So that yeah. that's going to be my focus on everybody kind of rolling in and doing the thing. So there's nobody playing Prince. It's just like Elvis right. in the original. That it's just like mm-hmm. the 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 death of the the uh the king. And uh, for the director, I wanted somebody that has really played in the comedy, ridiculous comedy, uh, action adventure, r- rock and roll vibe yeah. uh, to an extent and would be able to have fun in that space and really just get super weird with it and have a lot of fun with it and uh, have it very musical. So I went with the director of uh, the Syphil and Ollie show and Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Uh, Liam Lynch will be directing. All parent, right. Uh, oh, that's a good That's a good pair. I, I, I think it would be very fun for him and he's yeah. super indie anyway. So he had no, would have right. no problem. He would not waste time and effects on making it look like a super adventure action movie. Right. He would, pay proper homage to it being just a goofy, low budget, you know, rock and roll movie. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You'd see the strings, you know, <laughs> right? because <laughs> why Which, not? Yeah. That's part of the <laughs> part of the charm.
2: Absolutely. Um. So with mine being a sequel, I'm not using the same plot. Um, okay. And as I alluded to earlier, like the original uh, six string samurai is pretty much a lone wolf and cub story. Like, you've got your Ronin, you've got the kid that's tagging along, and he's, you know, fighting off a bunch of people and protecting the kid, and ultimately, you know, he dies and the kid gets to live. You know, spoilers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So, with that in mind, I decided to do a different uh, popular samurai movie reinterpreted through this, you know, post-apocalyptic musical lens, right? So... This, the, the plot of it is going to be this sort of like lone warrior type who doesn't really have a name coming into a town where there's these two warring factions and, he start, uh, and the, the people of the town are kind of suffering under the two warring factions. And he agrees that he's going to help out the people of the town and he starts playing the two factions against each other. And ultimately he wins and he walks off into the sunset, you know, all the richer because he's pretty much robbed everybody in the town. Uh, if you don't know what that movie is, it's called Yojimbo. <laughs> it's a Karasawa classic. Yep. And I want to redo that, but uh, the lone wanderer who has no name comes into town and he comes picks up a pseudonym and uh, the town is going to be Las Vegas and it's after the, the, the first movie and the, the two warring clans are trying to take over and take who's in charge. And by the end of it, he's you know stolen everything from them and he's decked himself out in a brand new uh, brand new purple suit And he gets declared the Prince of Las Vegas.
0: Yes. Amazing. Yes. (laughs) When you're thinking about like a modern musician of of the modern era that is somebody that can compete at the level of Elvis as far as like legendary status. There are very few musicians that really come to mind. But Prince is one of them. Yeah. Not only by name. I mean, by name, it was kind of perfect. But also, I mean, yeah, that's that's what I went for. It's like, oh no, this joke is too
2: good. I have to do the entire plot around this now. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, that is one musician that doesn't really matter what genres of music you're into. Most everybody He's got has something for you. Yeah, somebody's everybody's got an appreciation for Prince. So yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Uh, for me, because it is such a musically focused uh, story, I definitely mm-hmm. wanted to incorporate more actual musicians into. The uh, the plot of it so the, there's these roving gangs very, uh, very warriors esque in their approach to there being the pinheads and the like barbarian marauders and the windmill people and the army and the there's all these different yeah. roving groups so why not make them either a band or the lead the leader of those gangs being another six string samurai you know another another well known musician that is playing the role so I've got either like a guitarist or a guitar singer, uh, four yeah. bands being the leader or an entire band being the, the gang, uh, right. in, in my casting as well. So
2: that fits. Um, mine is more about send ups to specific artists. No, um, fair enough. I don't think I'm going to have anybody in this version actually go all out and do like a musical number, but it is important for me that the audience very much knows which historical pop uh, music figure this is on screen at the time,
0: you know? Oh, fair enough. So, uh, for, let's just get into your casting.
2: Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get in there. Okay, so, like I said, this one, it being a sequel, you know, I'm not going to have the same characters showing up, because it's supposed to be, you know, X number of years after the first one. But our main character, who's sort of filling the the, uh, the buddy role, is going to be, you know, Argo Jimbo, who's going to eventually become Prince, so uh, I decided to go with Andre 3000 to play him. You know, people nice. may know, uh, are definitely gonna know him from Outcast. Uh, he's actually a very good actor. He was in Be Cool, uh, Four Brothers, a few other mo- uh, movies.
0: Oh, he was in a movie with, uh, with it with his uh, music musical partner um in Idlewild. Uh, Wild. Wild, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. a weird one for sure. It is
2: a it is a weird movie, but it's war- one of those like it's it's supposed to go hand in hand with a concept album. Sure. And if you're not really, you know, absorbing that album, the movie is not gonna really work for you. No, fair enough. It's it was adventurous. Uh I'm not gonna call it great. Um, but it was it was it was a lot more daring than a lot of uh, other projects that similar groups have gone up to. Sure, so, that's
0: fair. You know. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, Andre 3000, uh, you know, obviously he's a musical talent, but he's got acting chops as well. And I, I'd like to see him, you know, do some fake samurai shit, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Moving down, we've got like his sort of sidekick. And, you know, this isn't going to be a kid because, again, you're Jimbo. So it's going to be like the the local bar owner who's kind of like representative of the, the, the townsfolk that are like suffering under this gang war. Uh, it's Gonji in the original Yojimbo film, but in this, it's going to be James Brown yes. uh, as as played by Tracy Morgan. Oh no!
0: <laughs> yes, who is uh, Tracy Morgan is doing a biopic? I think it's uh, like Disney Louis Car- Armstrong. Oh, is it Louis Armstrong? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That he's financing Which, himself. Yeah. That he, and I should, saw a side by side shot of the two of them. And actually it's really close. Yeah, no,
2: no, he's, he's, he's very serious about it. And you know what? I think he's actually going to act actually going to pull it off very well. I think it's um, going to be
0: so much a life imitating art moment of when his character in 30 rock was trying to get the EGOT mm-hmm. and he wasn't being taken seriously for an Oscar, uh, right. when he was trying to go for that. I think that's what's going to happen with him where he's going to do this movie and people are going to go, Oh, you're actually an actor.
2: Yeah, uh, no, like you can actually Morgan is is I think he's uh, unfortunately been typecast because everyone just sees him as the same character every time. But I think he's got a lot more range. Um, obviously, this is kind of going to be a, a gaggy sort of role because, you know, it's it's six string samurai. It's not a serious movie. Sure, yeah. But I think him as like the downtrodden James Brown talking about these youngins and they, and they just don't know what they're doing to the people of this town. I think that would be an interesting watch.
0: No, the, the Yojimbo, that was uh that was one of the Eastwood movies that was basically the Western remake, right? Was it uh
2: Oh, the the man with no name uh character is Yojimbo.
0: Yeah, the, uh, that was the trilogy. Sierra
2: right? Leone ripped it off and actually had to uh pay dividends to Kurosawa for uh uh a uh, what was that fistful, fistful of dollars? Of, dollars. About, yep, that's the one because yep. it was such a blatant rip off of Yojimbo. <laughs> um and he didn't ask for permission to remake the movie. Oh, <laughs> like it's almost shot for shot, yeah. is just glaring.
0: Strangely enough, that also has Anhacia's butthole in it. As far as a shot-for-shot shot remake. <laughs> uh, All right, I'm, I'm um, glad you got that. You and yeah, one other listener no, is going to yeah, get that like joke, three and three other people yeah. are going to get
2: that. <laughs> um, so uh, then you got to talk about like who are going to be the two warring clans that he's going to go up against, and it pretty much came down to it's like what kind of like groups are going to be ruling Las Vegas where Prince has to take them both out. And I settled on them being led by David Bowie and little Richard.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: David Bowie being played by Cillian Murphy. I like and, that a lot. Yeah. And little Richard being played by Leon. Uh, one of those one name actors. He's actually already played little Richard in a bio, uh, a bio uh, movie of him, but he was also in the temptations as uh, one of the lead talents there. He's currently in city on a Hill uh, as a pretty prominent character Look him up. He's a great actor uh, and he's done uh, musical biopics before uh, in, in this kind of vein. So nice. okay. I think he'd be great for it. Sweet. Um, and that's pretty much the only cast that I came up with because, you know, again, it's not parallel to the original plot. So uh, the major characters that I needed were like the lead townsfolk, the two warring uh, clans and our protagonist. So
0: and that was what's different with this one than a lot of other pitches that we've done on the show is that. Oftentimes we talk about, you know, the the acting chops of the person to play the roles and stuff, but this is so campy. I was less concerned about that so much as yeah. what would be a fun choice to put here. You know, they had nothing right. to do with acting talent or how much they've done, you know, it, as far as movie roles before. And I just went whole hog, fun time, figure out what would be the best fit for these uh, characters as far as musicians and bands and stuff. So mm-hmm. I did. I didn't even think about, Past stuff they've done. I just went full on mu- musician choices for for this, right. and uh, I, th- I think it's going to be super fun with Buddy being the the new rocker that's coming to take the throne from uh, from Prince, who has passed. And yeah. I wanted it. These aren't the actual characters, you know, the the musicians that are playing them. It's not them playing themselves. They're but they are kind of representative of that role in the music industry in some yeah. way, shape, or form. So for buddy I went with Jack White <laughs> as yeah. the uh I mean as far as somebody that you know to be like a student of rock and roll and guitar he's definitely right. up there. Uh then as far as the kid goes, I don't know if you're familiar with the videos that Dave Grohl had with the little uh British girl that played drums and they had like a drum off on the internet during COVID. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where they kept going back and forth and like trying to outdo one another and this This girl is, like, insanely gifted on basically all instruments, but especially drums, uh, but can play guitar, keyboards, just went whole hog against uh, Dave Grohl and really held her own. It was really impressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her name is uh, Nandi Bushell. And as far as a kid in a rock and roll movie, and especially with the relationship that Liam Lynch has with the Foo Fighters, I thought it would be such a nice little, like, gift to the fans of the Foo Fighters and also to this little girl. To have her as the kid that's following oh, yeah. following around Jack White, who I'm sure she's also a fan of. Because come on, yeah. Um And then the Red Elvises, I'm using them in the classic literary sense of the uh, the narrator of the film that comes in every so often and kind of informs the scene changes, what's happening after a battle. The uh, okay, the, uh, the 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 chorus uh, that that happens. Yeah. I'm using the Red Elvises. Uh, role in the film more that way where it's not just showing up right at the beginning and then the music, instrumental music of the band throughout. It's going to be these little, you know, as you see Buddy walking off into the distance, it pans over and on a sand dune is this band like singing about this, like beating this uh, this rape, oh, roving a, gang. And... There's a
2: couple of movies that pull that off just beautifully. Uh, I think Birdman does it great when it just pans over and then there's just this random drummer going at it, like yeah. on the street and then pans back and it's, you know, you're back in the movie again. You but know, I love that. Yeah. No, so, absolutely.
0: Oftentimes. I mean, it's, it's classically used in a lot of Shakespeare stuff. It was even played yeah. at with, uh, Thor Ragnarok when they were doing the reenactment of Loki's death. And then there was, so uh, there was, <laughs> there was Sam Neill as Odin, like informing the crowd of the right. different things that were happening. So it it's, it's pretty commonplace. And I thought it would be so fun in this to, of course, in you know, a Liam Lynch, Uh, movie to get Tenacious D to be that band that's just singing about the the battle that just happened and just going full Tenacious D in those scenes just little blips would be fucking
2: not to mention you going to have that beautiful moment where Jack White and Jack Black are on the uh, same screen together
0: well that's I kind (laughs) of want it to be where at the end after death is conquered by Buddy Mm -hmm. there's a moment where Jack Black and Jack White are facing off at the end where like Jack Black's been following this this journey the whole way, and then he stands in the way and they just stand off and hear like the you know, like yep. noise and tumbleweeds, like they're about to face off, and Jack Black just does a very theatrical like bow to Jack White as he just moves forward and uh limps away. <laughs> um Okay, so Jack White, uh Danny Bichelle, Red Elvises will be Tenacious D instead. Death um, who is the heavy metal in this. Yeah. Um, that's supposed who is was,
2: who was the most obvious uh, slash I have ever seen on screen. And
0: I was thinking a slash to start, but I went, let's yeah. just two nail on the head. And right. I thought it would be more fun to have s- somebody that is also known as a guitar god, but isn't just so, that's such a, um, it's, it's such an on the nose choice to choose slash in that regard. So I just went with Kurt Hammett instead. the the guitars from Metallica. Um, And, of course, those interactions you've got uh, with Buddy or Jack White, they're going to have like guitar solo offs and stuff and just have fun with it. So that that would be interesting to see Kurt Hammett versus Jack White because their playing styles are so wildly different. Right. Then uh, for the Windmill people, I wanted a band that has lots of members and Mm -hmm. is also that's very like it's supposed to be hell or something that the kid yeah. falls into i'm just going with like s- psychoactive drugs that that are a part of that thing so a little hippy dippy and i yeah. thought the flaming lips would be a very fun choice for the the underground hippy dippy windmill people yeah that would work and they're i could see them all wearing like hazmat space suits just for fun like,
2: yeah, not even, no, I'm pretty sure that that's how they chill out in I, their, uh, their trailers between it, sets.
0: They don't have trailers. They have yurts. Let's be yeah, serious. There here. you go. Yeah. <laughs> then the army, I want it to be a bunch of bands that are not related to the other bands like that. Nobody likes, but wants <laughs> to take over. So I'm going with, uh, boy bands as being the army. So we've got, and just for oh proper, Lord. proper representation, we've got the biggest boy band on earth. From what I understand is BTS. Is there, but, uh-huh. but to make sure that it's not like, uh, like America, Korea kind of conflict thing, we've got one direction mm-hmm. also representing the of UK course. and then the Jonas brothers, uh, oh, coming God. back to properly represent the United States in boy band So it's just a, yep. a global boy band, uh, attempted takeover of the United States. Perfect. And, uh, <laughs> so lot, lots of harmonies happening <laughs> during that battle yep. for sure. And then finally, the barbarians at the very beginning that are chasing down Buddy. Uh, why yep. wouldn't that be the Foo Fighters? I think that'd be they'd have a lot of fun waving clubs perfect. with the long hair.
2: Yeah, and they they orphan the little kid. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> so I th- I think you don't have to get too deep into these choices really for this movie. No, oh,
2: no, it's uh, it's like it's about like style more than substance, absolutely. and I think that was what they were do- going for with the original movie. As much as I love it, it was a dismal failure. Um, commercially was it was like two million dollar budget which is dirt cheap even in 1998 but it only made like one hundred and fifty
0: thousand. oh no locally. yeah that was a huge loss they're never gonna make a sequel to this thing <laughs> although i feel like they probably made that back it, since then as the cult mm-hmm. status of this movie but this is even by cult status it's not the same level as like you know Car- Carpenter's Find the thing. Find me a DVD or...
2: of it. Find me a DVD of it. I will buy it, but it's not available. <sighs> like that's why I had to go to the tubes to even rewatch it. Man, <laughs> because
0: you got to contact like Alamo uh or <laughs> or Vinegar Syndrome or Anchor Bay or somebody to Put yeah, this
2: out. like this this thing was so much of a dismal failure that you have never heard of this lead actor ever again and he actually had a career before this
0: oh no oh man
2: jeffrey falcon the guy who played the original buddy in six-string samurai has not had a credit since well, but he worked for like a decade in the chinese film industry as uh, uh as the, the one white guy who knew kung fu yeah And he hasn't
0: been anywhere since And I can't find him like Jeffrey Jeffrey Falcon. Falcon. You know that there was just somebody being like, we have a a cop that doesn't play by the rules role that with a name like Jesse Falcon, you need to play this role.
2: Yeah. But like, he just doesn't exist anywhere. I have not like I think I found a news article from like 2005 saying that he moved to China because his his wife is a Chinese national and just
0: hasn't been seen since. Kung Fury 2 needs to bring him back. Seriously, if, if there's if there's a movie in production that would fit for him and what he knows to do. And as far as like a love letter to cult film aficionados. Right. Uh, yeah, let's let's get some uh, some Falcon in there.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, apparently he's also a huge dick. So that probably doesn't. Oh,
0: problem. that probably doesn't help either.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so that is our real takes on Six String Samurai. Right. Uh, now we're getting into the, the fun and weird world of uh, the remixes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> of, uh, of this movie. Which... <laughs> Let's get weirder versions of Six String Samurai. <laughs> this was so much more difficult than normal because of how yeah. weird this movie is. But what direction are you taking it with your remix? Are you are you doing it? So I decided to do an actual remake with my
2: remix, um, like an actual remake. Like take take the bear uh, the bears of the plot and like try and tighten it up or try and make it a little more you know, mainstream even. Um, but I decided the direction to go with, with, uh, with like this weird mishmash of di- uh, different genres was to go with anime. Oh, so, no. yes.
0: Although uh, know, actually my initial reaction was, Oh no, but yeah. I mean, you can flesh. This I mean, out th- so th- much think more. about
2: it like this. It's like uh, an anime starring a low, uh, a lone wolf type character. Who's going around ad- uh, adventuring with a weird music soundtrack And he ultimately dies in the end in a glorious battle against overwhelming odds. Hey, that's Cowboy Bebop.
0: Yeah, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, like, it's like there's plenty of anime that already does this weird uh, combination of genres. Like, oh, cowboys in space or cowboys and samurai in the post apocalypse. Like, cool. Just toss it all in there. So, as far as, like, a direction, like, I wanted to get, like, theming-wise with, like, the director. I went with Takashi uh, Okazaki. Who he's the me, uh, main art director for Afro Samurai, Batman Ninja, a few video games. Okay. Uh, which are also, you know, Verizza uh, helped with uh, Afro <laughs> Samurai, obviously, but like it was also another one of those like uh, projects that's like, let's take these two disparate like genres and just mash them together. In that case, it was sci fi and samurai uh, stuff.
0: Which I meant to uh, say during your original casting is that I'm surprised at how few. Uh, members of the Wu-Tang Clan were in your version, considering that RZA was involved.
2: Well, yeah. Um, I'm sure he would insert like as many of his, uh, his friends into it as possible. Sure, But it wouldn't
0: even be planned ahead. It would be like whoever shows up on set that day to visit their friend, be like, Hey, do you want to be this guy? And they're like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Just come on. No, I was,
2: I was definitely picturing it that a little Richard's gang was going to be half filled with the Wu-Tang Clan.
0: (laughs) So only 40 of the members,
2: uh, exactly the house of the 36 chambers. And if little Richard actually says the house of the 36 chambers, as his gang name. I would be, I'd be very happy. That, with that would be
0: version. fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm getting more juice thinking about it now. So, no, but continue on with your anime yeah. version.
2: But yeah, so yeah, it'd be uh Takashi, uh, Okazaki, uh, which is more like to give you an idea of the art style because, uh, he doesn't really like, like direct he, but he's more of the art direction, art concept kind of guy, but that's the kind of look that, I, uh, that I want for it. So,
0: okay. For my uh, my look, I wanted to go the direction that Hollywood sometimes goes where they take like a cult classic or a underappreciated gem and they mm-hmm. remake it and they polish it to the point where it loses all the things that made it special in the first place and just try to overdo it into this big elaborate production that's too clean. Uh, and to do that, I used the director, uh, Steve Antine. If you are unfamiliar with the uh, director, he hasn't done much besides Pussycat Dolls videos uh, and and the movie Burlesque that he directed as well. (laughs) But you may Uh. know him as being um, involved in a beloved classic film. He was actually uh, the douchey boyfriend Troy in Goonies. Wow. Yeah, that is. Wow. That is such a weird thing to now have in my brain. That Troy, yeah
2: no like I'm not sure what to do with that information yeah,
0: now Troy from the Goonies directed burlesque starring <sighs> Cher and Christina Aguilera. Christina Aguilera yeah yeah so like
2: I I know I'm, un, uh, I'm unapologetic trash and I absolutely love burlesque uh, um but it is a bonkers
0: movie I have not seen it uh I've been oh, told that it's... it is that the musical numbers are great like it's mm-hmm. well produced and looks great but the plot is garbage oh yeah pure trash yeah so uh so who do you have for casting for your
2: all right so since this one is more of a straight remake um the the roles are going to be exactly what they're supposed to be instead of like transposing into a different um story so we've got our our buddy holly in this one uh i want him to be voiced by steve bloom which is pretty much every anime protagonist you have ever known (laughs) uh he was he was in Cowboy Bebop. He was in Rebels. He did Naruto. Uh, Naruto. Like it, the the list of this guy's credits is longer than like anybody's yeah. I've ever seen. Like it's he's in everything. The kid uh, being like you going to have to have somebody who's more of a childlike voice actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with uh, Thom Addox Hernandez, uh, who was the voice of Lexington in Gargoyles. Uh, okay. He, uh, does young justice and the spectacular spider-man now. Um, Very prolific actor. uh, Also really good at doing like childlike uh, sort of affect. So that'd be important. I don't know if in this version, the kid's going to talk more than just like scream randomly, but you know, like, eh, fine. Right. (laughs) Um, So we've got death who is, you know, also, you know, um, uh, slash. uh, So I wanted somebody who can do a really, you know, Nice timber of voice, somebody who can, like, get, get, like, sort of an echo going even without modulation. I went with Phil Lamar, uh, who everyone knows from Mad TV, Samurai Jack. He's uh, uh, Futurama. Like, he's he's in, oh, yeah, he was also in um, Pulp Fiction. He's the, uh, the yep. guy who gets, yeah.
0: He's he's done a ton of voice work.
2: Yeah, no, like, he is all over the place for voice work. Like, he uh, every superhero uh, TV show you like, Phil Lamar's on it. Yep just he's just one of those guys um uh i oh uh the the, the psycho dad the, the like the cannibal like family mm-hmm. um i i didn't really cast the whole family but i definitely wanted to get like a really good voice for the dad because he's the one who does the most talking i went with hank azaria okay because yeah simpsons gross point blank he was in mystery men like he's another one of those like he's voice acts for everything uh I did specifically cast for the Red Elvises to be in this version of it. Um, I wanted it to be the Mighty Mighty Bostones. <laughs> okay. Mostly because at one point or another they do get murdered. Um,
0: <laughs> and and because they're I think everyone in Boston has been in that band at one point. Uh, there's yeah. there's more members of the Bostones than there are the Wu Tang clan. Which yeah, we actually switch. now I just yeah. need to see the Bostones fight the Wu Tang clan.
2: Okay, that's it. That's that's what it is. Uh, David Bowie's <laughs> now leading the gang that yes. is the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones.
0: <laughs> Which is a weird choice for him, honestly. <laughs> it is, but, you know,
2: he's done weirder. He, like, everything he did. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, like, uh, and I think the one point that we we, we both kind of omitted in our first version is you gotta have uh, the radio personality of that's that's mocking, you know, the the wolf of uh, from the actual 1950s uh, radio DJ as the werewolf, um, and I want him to be voiced by Mark Hamill.
0: Nice. Okay.
2: Yeah, because he he can do definitely do crazy DJ radio voice,
0: definitely, and has done his fair share of voice acting. I mean, everybody oh, knows yeah. that him as the Joker, but that's not where the end of his voice acting has come to. He's
2: he's one of the original versions of the Wolverine that you've ever heard. So you know what? Good for him. <laughs>
0: That's that you're casting for
2: that's, that's my major casting. I didn't really get too deep into on it because again, remix
0: exactly. And that's kind of where I went to is that I, I had the same thought process for both versions of mine, as far as the remix Mm -hmm. and the, the real, as far as incorporating a lot of musicians into this. And especially it being a Steve Anton um, joint as it were. Uh, I, I wanted it to be just like pop divas and singers all throughout this. And it just being almost an opportunity for them to feature like part of a song in this movie and not about acting talent whatsoever and right. fuck the plot. Uh, I mean, not that there was much of one in the first place, but we're yeah. playing in the space and just getting really stupid with it. So for buddy, uh, we went with, uh, Justin Timberlake for uh buddy as the main oh. role. So lots of singing and dancing going on there <laughs> for the kid. We went aged up the kid just a little bit, uh mainly cuz i don't know a lot of pop singers that are like eleven so it was a little bit more difficult but i thought it would be interesting to put billie eilish in there as the uh, as the kid or more <laughs> like the the understudy of buddy more like it it's the right. the uh the padawan as it were <clears throat> then for the red elvises the band that plays in the uh in the background throughout the entirety of the movie which immediately will make you get up and walk out of the theater the minute you hear this band playing Uh, We've got Maroon 5 just littered. Oh, you're just a sadist. I'm a sadist in this. Now, death might bring you back, though. Okay. As far as a pop diva sensation to play death, I could think of no one better than a person that lap dances Satan, uh, Lil Nas X, as death in there. Okay,
2: that's okay that's oh. helping but still <laughs> that's a lot of maroon five i have to sit through
0: uh the windmill people it's gonna be more like an underground like rave concert happening down there and uh the people down yeah, there that I'm are doing do it this. is we're uh daft punk this. god damn it yeah daft punk holding an underground rave uh, uh,
2: actually i thought know. you were gonna be worse so you know no, yeah. no i'll take that
0: who did you think that i'm gonna switch my answer to uh that i, would...
2: <laughs> uh, I thought you were gonna do something awful like some kind of dubstep or freaking like dead skrillex. mouse or
0: <laughs> skrillex is down there just doing it yeah thing. no 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 we no. went daft punk <laughs> okay then as far as the army bands i wanted to do the like grassroots americana bands quote unquote so i've got the mumford and sons and the Averett brothers as the army that is attacking the pop musicians ew yeah yeah <laughs>
2: Nobody likes Mumford and Sons. That I don't a, know. I think it would be a kind of funny to
0: hear <laughs> the Maroon 5 music clear out and then you just hear Hopeless Wanderer play as <laughs> Justin Timberlake <laughs> is walking down a dirt road. Uh, yeah, he,
2: no. yeah, that works.
0: And also I them just like that. dragging a giant stand-up bass over a sand dune <laughs> to like fight. Yes, <laughs> be absolutely. Pretty impressive. And you know, just to make it fun, the Hopeless Wanderer music video has like a bunch of SNL people in it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Jason Bateman's in it and they're playing, uh, Mumford and Sons. So don't don't even get Mumford and Sons. Just get them playing Mumford and Sons in
2: <laughs> this. No, version. see, if it's a post-apocalyptic thing and we're going to, we're going to do like as much as we can, they definitely need to have their entire band platform being hauled around by a bunch of gimps and like fucking leather face masks and no, fucking no, body harnesses.
0: Just the members of Slipknot, uh, there you go. There it is. Like Slipknot is the Channing Tatum, and this is the end of this movie yeah, where they're just like exactly. gimped out and dragging around Mumford and Sons. That's yeah. their personal. There help. It is. Yes. I, I like this a lot. <laughs> and then finally, the last one is the barbarians at the beginning that kill the mm-hmm. kids' uh, mom and uh, orphans them. And uh, we went with Imagine Dragons as the uh, barbarians. So.
2: All right. Yeah. 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 That's fine. And what's funny that's is fine.
0: this is going to be so much worse than the original and will make so much more money.
2: Than right. Exactly. Original. So because star power, right?
0: Yeah. Star Star power. power. That's, that's what's important. So that is, uh, I knew it
2: was going to be weird. Garbage fire. This total garbage
0: fire. So (laughs) I, I am just proud of this episode. If only to let people know that the person that directed the movie burlesque was in Goonies, that's, yeah, no, that was
2: important information for everyone to have
0: really is. So now we've got mashups and, uh, the oh, yeah. one right out the gate that I thought of, especially with the Liam Lynch version, is that if mm-hmm. um, you incorporated the Pick of Destiny in the post-apocalypse, you can even have it as a sequel to Six Strings Samurai and Tenacious Dean, the Pick of Destiny, where that the apocalypse happens after Pick of Destiny, and the king of Vegas has the pick, and the pick is like the magical thing that gives you the throne. See, I'm just see-
2: picturing it now as like the, as, as a trilogy. There's the original Six String Samurai my sequel that's Yojimbo and then your version, which is uh which takes place after the death of Prince.
0: See, it works. It totally works. We could do the <laughs> we can do the the six-string trilogy.
2: Yeah. Um, but as far as like mashing it up, ugh, like I think like the again, it's just so weird to mash this up with anything else because it's already a mashup to begin with. <laughs> right. Like this is this was a mashup pitch. Like, so like the only things I can think of is like just inserting more of what's already there. Like it's post-apocalypse. Let's go out like Mad Max it uh, with it. Like turn it into a chase movie with uh, with with car fights, right? Whatever. Or you know, like you've got mutants. You know, screw it. Like it's you know now the hills have eyes and shit.
0: Yeah, I will admit that for a rockabilly centric movie, there are decidedly zero like spruced up classic cars in this, which is like big surprise. One, the one he stole from Clint Eastwood and that was it. (laughs) And that was like beat up. That wasn't even like redone or roasted. Yeah.
2: I would definitely like to see that like classic cars, like all polished up, but like re uh, re decked out to, to to survive the end of the world. And like these torn up, like rock stars, like wielding samurai swords on the hoods and like uh, trying to slash each other. Yes.
0: I love that. It's like
2: that. That that car chase scene from The Matrix, but like so much weirder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of pinstriped samurai sword handles everywhere, you know? Right.
2: <laughs> See, that would be fun. That would, that would be be absolutely fun. be fun. Yeah. More car combat in our in our rockabilly movies. God damn it! I think that's
0: an important thing for America, that's, and that's, uh, that's the line. That's the hill I'm going to die on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mashups. Yeah, for something like this, it is really difficult to figure out how to incorporate this. I thought. Another thing you can incorporate with this with is Stephen King's The Stand, mm-hmm. where it's you make that the disease that kills everybody, and there's basically two camps, the like Red Army camp, but that's more like the pop singers and, and stuff in one camp, and then you got Vegas as the rock and rollers, but you do it the opposite of the stand, and it's like rock and roll is the devil's music and you're rooting for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
2: Uh Ooh, just go. Let's just just throw it into like the apocalypse happened from uh, Pacific Rim, and we've got uh, giant movie monsters just roaming the landscape. Yes, turn it into a monster hunter movie, uh, but with like rockabilly.
0: They're like shooting arrows off of their guitar strings uh-huh. at the monsters. I'm yeah super fucking on board. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh,
2: I mean Fallout kind, of, uh, Fallout the movie kind, of, uh, the the the. Video game kind of already did that, like mutant cockroaches that you hunt down, uh and all of the stuff is like as if the 1950s is when the world ended. So. Yeah,
0: true. Like, so it's why not? Not? That,
2: uh, not too weird.
0: Yeah, right. Although now I'm also thinking about Pacific Rim and just the idea of like giant kaiju versions of rock and roll musicians. Oh God! They already did like the Robert Smith, Barbara Streisand thing in South Park. But if it's like yeah. Robert Smith, and then you got like an Elvis Presley, and then randomly you've got like Kiss kiss up there or somebody that's just like happy to be there like you've got uh Alanis Morris Alanis Morris <laughs> <laughs> Yeah you've got some like one hit wonder you've got Harvey Danger is just like cool yes. like what's up guys I'm paranoid Harvey Danger settle down we don't need you to sing the song right now
2: Yeah, it's it. This one's a tough one. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think we just need to kind of lay off as we've done as the best we could with the mashups for this one. This is definitely a tough one. So all that's left for this episode is some people's favorite parts, some people's least favorite parts. Uh, We're talking about the trailers. So (laughs) uh, so let's dig in and do the thing. Let me cue up the music.
1: Strap in, kids. We're going back to the wastelands of Las Vegas to uh, visit with the uh, ruling council of rockers. The death of Buddy Holly has come and gone, and now it's time to select the new god of rock. Larissa brings you the six string samurai starring Andre 3000, Tracy Morgan, Cillian Murphy, and Leon. Rock will never die.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Very nice indeed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just like power fucked that trailer. Fuck yeah. So, <laughs> rah, rock and roll. That's how you do it. <laughs> Alright, yeah, I guess I do have to do like the rock and roll voice. All
1: right. So where <laughs> Alright,
0: so this is gonna be garbage. Uh here we go with this one. Alright. Um yeah, please subscribe before you listen to this part of the episode. Um <laughs> So it's too late to take it back. Um, here we go. I'm going to be doing my
1: Liam Lynch version. A new vision from the 1998 cult classic Six Stream Samurai through the lens of Siffle Ollie's Liam Lynch is a new generation of rock and roll. Join Jack White as He travels the wasteland on his way to Las Vegas to claim the throne left by Prince after his passing and in the way is Tenacious D singing his story and Kirkham is death trying to take him down and take the throne for metal along the way he runs into the flaming lips, BTS One Direction the Jonas Brothers and the Foo Fighters on his epic quest to keep rock and roll alive and along the way with him is a small child to carry on the, the... the... the rock for the next generation is Foo Fighters' favorite drummer, Nandi Michelle, this summer. They're not leaving Las Vegas, they're going to it. 6 Samurai.
0: okay
2: that was the mashup we should have done leaving las vegas or um fear and loathing in las fear vegas fear and loathing in
0: las vegas string samurai yes.
2: because obviously drugs were involved
0: 100 and also imagine if that's the one car scene in the movie is just the fear and loathing in las vegas road trip and he's like okay i'm out like <laughs> Like this is back country Under and it's S. just
2: Thompson needs to show up. In
0: the, <laughs> in it's the like, sequel. you can't get out here. It's back country. And you just see Ozzy Osbourne just biting the heads off of bats on the side <laughs> of the road.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the line. Yeah. That's that's what we should have
0: done. 100%. Yeah. So f- next time for the sequel next to us, uh, the sequel of six string samurai is. Uh... Yep. All right. So we have done what we could uh, to make a weirder movie weirder. Yeah,
2: that's that was the mission, right? Yeah, that was that's... the mission.
0: I think we've done as best as we possibly could on this episode, so yep. I want to thank Jack for coming on and- uh and, It was a pleasure. Enduring this uh, rigorous uh, test of will <laughs> to get through an hour of this. <laughs> and I also want to thank the listeners for doing the same. If you want to continue to enjoy this show, uh, make sure to click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can click on the link available at com. It will take you to a list of all the major pod- catchers and you can select your favorite one make sure to rate and review where you can Apple Podcasts or uh, pod chaser and let the world know what you think of the show and follow us on social media that information is also at GUI dot com tell us what you want to hear in the future for future episodes let us know what mashups you'd want to use for episodes or other ideas you have for remakes on stuff we've done before we love feedback we love hearing from you on what you like and don't like and uh, we'll find you next week for a Shortlist episode—that's an original content idea that I've come up with on my own. That's every other week we do that one. So enjoy, and uh, we'll find you next time for another episode. I'm Mike the Hobbit, and you just got pitch smack.
1: G-U-I podcast.com.
2: Aesthetic or die, man.
0: Coming straight from the mouths of Madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. Hey guys, Scotty Big Daddy Preston here. That's right, The Geek Father, asking you to join me here every other week with friends and family of the GUI Network. As we go through all the trials and tribulations of being a geeky parent. So remember, join us or cry.